welcome to the Johannesburg Church of Christ podcast. In these podcasts, we seek to know Christ and to make him known to all nations and people. May this week's message transform your thinking in the likeness of Christ as you get to know him more. Greetings, South Africa. I bring you uh, warm wishes from Singapore. And uh, it's great to be able to connect with one another. I appreciate and and I want to thank you all who participated in the survey. And uh, I'm very excited right now to deliver a message on family. So, um, you know, starting a family is a very challenging task, okay? Those of you who are parents, you know exactly what that means. Um, you know, let's face it, it's a tremendous investment of, of our emotional energy, our physical energy, and also even financially. In fact, somebody in the internet uh, posed a question, um, and the question was this. How much does it cost in Singapore dollars to raise a child from birth till graduation? A, 100,000, B, 200, C, 300, D, 400, and 5, over 500,000. Now, bear in mind, uh, for every one U.S. dollar, it's equivalent to 1.4 Singapore dollars. Okay? So, how much does it cost? And uh, very interestingly, this individual did all kinds of calculation. Uh, from the time a mother is pregnant with a child and then to the age of two and so forth, and his final uh, math reflected this figure, 670000 Singapore dollars. That's a lot of money, okay? And uh, slightly over half a million U.S. dollars. Now, I don't know if you agree with that figure in South Africa, but certainly in Singapore, it is expensive. So raising a family, you know, demands a tremendous amount of, uh, of investment. Now, the Bible does speak about how we should treat one another within the family. The family is the unit and is part of God's plan of how we fit in, how we're brought into the world and how we are raised. And so there are definite biblical principles here that we need to we need to deepen our understanding of, and I hope to do that today. So that at the end of the day, if we obey the word of God, uh, the level of relationships or the quality of relationship with one another in the family will go up. And in doing so, we will become healthier and we'll be able to bring glory to him. Okay? So uh, we're going to try and answer questions like this. The Bible calls us to honor our parents, right? But when does that honor end? The Bible says we need to obey our parents. But when does obeying end? If it does. What if our parents were rude or or very cruel to us or even abusive? Must we continue to honor them? Must we continue to obey them? How about this question? I did not choose them to be my parents, so why should I honor them? So we're going to try and answer all these questions, okay? And uh, I hope at the end you'll be able to grasp the principles that God wants us 
to follow in order to have a wonderful family. Okay, first of all, let me say this, okay? That you may be, in the eyes of your parents, an accident. You know, sometimes parents say, you know, we didn't plan on having you. It just happened, right? Now, there are some of us, we, we get, you know, we get hurt by that. And we think, wow, you know, am I really an accident? And the thing I want you to understand is this. Your parents may think that you're an accident, but God doesn't. God chose their genes and their DNA to create you. Okay? So look over here in Psalms 139 from verse 15 to 16. Right here it says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book, were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. So what does the Bible say here? This is the NASB translation, that you were not an accident in the eyes of God. God created you. And how did he do that? He used the genes and the DNA of your parents to create you. You are special. God had a plan for every one of you. And the way we get brought into the earth is through our families. God, that was God's plan for husband and wife to have children and be raised in a family. That's not what our society came up with. That's a model that is as old as hills. And if you open the book of Genesis, you see God's model of a family. So we're going to talk about some of the principles here. And I want to particularly focus on the meaning of honor because the Bible calls us to honor our parents. The Bible also calls us to obey our parents. So we're going to talk about these things. Okay. All right. The first of all, I want us to understand the meaning of honor. Uh, in, in the um, Hebrew, okay, the word honor means to be made abundant, to be heavy. In other words, make oneself numerous, be weighty, be grievous, be hard, be rich. Okay, So what it means here is that you, you put in a lot of weight on this issue. So to honor your parents means you've got to put in a lot of weight, okay? And uh, and it's not something you take casually. That's the meaning of the word honor in the Hebrew culture. And then if you look at the Ten Commandments, uh, honor your father and mother is number five. You can virtually split up the whole Ten Commandments to uh, basically, I think, um, three categories. One is your relationship with God, which is uh, commandment one to four. Then the second category is commandment number five, which is honor your father and mother. Then from six to 10, it's about our relationship with other people. So what is interesting is that honor your father and mother comes in between our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. 
you know, I believe that's why this placed it at number five. Because if you don't learn how to honor your father and mother, there is no way on earth you will honor other people. So respect for other people, okay? Being submissive in a good way to other people or to, or to authorities actually begin at home. And so when you exercise this properly to your parents, you know, it helps you then become a very functional individual for society. Now let's, uh, let's understand this even more, okay? In Proverbs chapter 13, it says this, intelligent children listen to the parents. Foolish children do their own thing. That's the message, okay? Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 22, 25, also from the message. Listen with respect to the father who raised you and when your mother grows old. Don't neglect her. Buy truth. Don't sell it for love or money. Buy wisdom, buy education, buy insight. Parents rejoice when their children turn out well. Wise children become proud parents. So make your father happy. Make your mother proud. This is all from the Bible. These are directives that we need to take to heart. And then in Ephesians, in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, it says here, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. All right, so in the New Testament, the directive is we need to honor our parents, just like in the Old Testament. Okay, and then later on, it says, children, obey your parents. Okay, this is the right thing to do because God has placed them in authority over you. Honor your father and mother. So here you have the two concepts of obeying and honor that is talked about in the New Testament, as well as the Old Testament. So then here's the question. When do we stop honoring, or does it ever end? What about obedience? Do you have to keep obeying them? Let's say, you know, I'm 57 years old right now. Uh, My parents have passed, but if they were alive, uh, do I still have to obey them? So after doing a lot of uh, study on this, Here's what I'd like to put before you all. Obedience ends when you're no more under their authority. But honor never ends. You are to always honor your parents. And as long as you live under their roof, under their authority, then you also need to obey. So, for example, under their authority... Right, children, including teenagers, you need to obey in the following, such as doing chores. And if they call on you to to have regular quiet times, they're just helping you in your relationship with God. You need to obey them. You need to obey them when they introduce healthy limits. For example, the use of your devices, when to go to bed, how much you know you should do, how much time you should spend on a certain hobby. You need to obey them. Obey them when they call on you to 
to study the Bible, although that needs to be from your heart. But these are things that, that they're going to also play a huge part in your life. Okay? Uh, obey them. Uh, you know, when you have uh, sibling rivalries, obey them when they give you instructions. So when you're under their authority, obey. Now, as you obey, hopefully you will have your own conviction that you want to love God and you want to pursue a relationship because it's from your heart. Okay? So when you're under their authority, those are examples of things that you need to obey. Um, what about when you are not under their authority? That means you're now able to stand on your own feet. You are married. Now what do we do? Well, now you are, you know, you don't have to obey them because you're no more under their authority, but you still honor them. And how do we show this honor? For example, spending time consistently with them. Obviously, this has to be agreed upon by both sides. Okay? And if you have children, have the grandchildren show care and concern. Uh, next, provide financial help if needed. That's a good thing. In fact, that's a command from the Bible. I would also say, show them the honor by helping them find a legacy that they will leave behind. You know, the older you get, the more you will wonder what kind of legacy are you going to leave behind. And help work with them and help them find that legacy. And continue to show respect by asking them, for their opinions here and there. Obviously, you don't have to agree with everything they say, but that's what honor means, you know. And, and the, in the Hebrew word, remember, it means putting a lot of weight on this, not treating this casually. Okay, so that's what honor means, all right? So I want to now move on and talk about the culture of honor in the New Testament. Look, for example, Romans chapter 1, verse 28 to 31. Here is when Paul listed out, okay, a list of sins. And he says here, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Wow. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Disobeying your parents made it into that list. What do you think about that? See, what that shows is that in the culture of the New Testament, Children were expected to honor their parents. If it wasn't the case, he won't make it to this list. In the book of 2 Timothy 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, it also says here, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. And so to all of you who are teenagers, okay, I just got to tell you, you need to take this to heart. This is God's plan on how a family should function. So starting with children, they need to obey their parents when you are under 
their authority. Now, as you grow up and you get married and you're able to stand on your own feet, then, you know, you don't have to obey them because you're no longer their authority, but you must still honor them. Okay? And I'll show you some examples. I think uh, in the book of Matthew 21, verse 28 to 33, this is a parable. Okay? Where Jesus says, uh, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will say, I will serve, but did not go. Which of the two did what the father wanted? The first they answered, Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Wow. Now, Jesus showed, um, uh, you know, taught this parable. And it's obvious that when everybody answered that the right, the, the person that, that, uh, that was, you know, that did the right thing um, was the son who said, I didn't want to do it or didn't want to obey, but later on did it. And, um, okay, and Jesus says, which of the two did what the father wanted? Now, the very fact they all answered, there was no debate, okay, uh, they all said, well, the first, Jesus exactly. So what does that mean? That means in the culture at that time, you were expected to obey. Now, if the culture didn't promote obedience, the people would not have answered to Jesus the first. They would have had a debate. But everyone knew that was the culture at that time. So you have to understand, okay, as the New Testament was written, what was the culture at that time? And yet we live in a day and age that challenges this, okay, where, you know, there are, there are messages sent to teenagers and even those who are younger that, that you have rights to disobey your parents on healthy issues. Now, obviously, if they abuse you and everything, please bring it up. Find ways to be to, to get the protection you need. But for the most part, to listen to messages that undermines your parental authority, that is just wrong. Okay? Uh, Jesus expected uh, people to obey their parents. And I think we need to do the same. All right, let's let's look at the at the time when Jesus was on the cross. Okay? Uh, there were, Jesus made seven statements on the cross. Father, first one was, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Second, I tell you the truth, today you'll be in paradise. Third, I'll leave that to the end. Fourth was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Fifth, I thirst. Sixth, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Seven, it is finished. Now, what was number three? Interestingly enough, okay, it was a message directed to Jesus' mother. It says here in John 19, verse 26, when Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. At the time when Jesus was in tremendous pain, saving the world, 
he honored his mother. He honored his mother. And you see, Jesus began his ministry when he was 30 years old. And by that time, he was not quite under their authority anymore. He's now a grown-up man. He was a competitor, uh, okay, and he was able to stand for himself. So, he, so when the parents prohibited him from, from being too passionate about, about God and about his kingdom, Jesus didn't listen to them. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus didn't obey them. It simply means that he is no more under their authority, and he did what he felt was right. But he kept honoring them. And so, brothers and sisters, regardless of how old you are, the Bible calls us to honor. Honor continues. Okay? And then let's talk about right now, how do we go about showing this honor? Okay? Now, you've all heard our parenting model, and that is when uh, you, the parent, are raising young children, you have to meet their core emotional needs. Okay? Remember that. And, uh, and that is your job. That is your duty. And how do you go about it? You go about it by nurturing them and not exasperating them. Because that's what the book of Ephesians says. Ephesians 6 says. Do not exasperate, but to nurture. And when you do so, you meet their core emotion needs. So look at this slide here. Okay, on the left, you have the four core emotion needs. And healthy parents parenting by meeting the core emotion needs of the child. Now, on the right, healthy adult child providing limited reparenting by meeting core emotional needs of the aged parents. So what we're saying here is this. When you are a child, your parent meets your core emotion needs. But when, they, when your parents become old, then you, as a healthy adult child, need to meet their core emotional needs, but in a limited way. Because you're obviously not their parents, but the role somewhat reverses. Now, this is my model as I study out the meaning of honor in the New Testament and obedience. And I'll put that before you for consideration, okay? So if you look at this slide right now, all right, you will find here, I did some animation here, okay? Uh, so you have parents and children on the top. Okay, now, when you were young, parents have to meet the core emotion needs of the children. Okay, how? by nurturing and not exasperating. Now, when the parents on the left side now become old, okay, they've got gray hairs, then, and you as children, you become adults, what happens then? You meet their core emotion needs now. So the role kind of reverses, not an exact reversal because you're not the parents. So you do what we call limited Reparenting. That means you go back and you meet their core emotion needs in a limited way. And by doing so, let me tell you, your family is going to remain healthy, it's going to remain intact, and you're going to have enjoyed so many wonderful experiences from one another. So I just want this, you need to understand here, brothers, this is God's plan. Okay? So 
I did some survey here in Singapore and asked the aged parents, how do they feel about their adult children right now? Here's their common, uh, okay, you would say concerns. They frequently say they're not being appreciated. Uh, sometimes the, the children, adult children, don't even let them know where they are, whether they've gone overseas. You know, there's no information about anything. They feel lonely many times. Conflicts are not resolved and they're not shown respect. Now, this list may also be true for your work in South Africa. And if it is, brothers and sisters, then I think we've got to take our, our honoring of them higher. Because all this comes as a result of a lack of honor on our part. Okay, and I think about my mom. My mom passed about two years ago. She was uh, almost uh, 84 years old. My dad passed away many years before that, when he was uh, 70 in 1995. And you know, when my dad passed on, I took on the role to look after my mom. And you know, because she now was alone, she wasn't as functional. She was not the same mom that I grew up with. And I remember when I was a teenager, she and I got pretty close. I think when we were young, you know, my mom showed, you know, favoritism and it was hard for me to grow up with that. But you know what? When, we, when Karen and I took her into our home, we realized the role is reversing. I've got to now meet the core emotional needs of my mom. For example, she wants to be connected and accepted. And she wants to constantly, you know, talk and, and be there and to interact with us. And I used to sometimes kind of resent that. But there came a time when I decided, you know what, that is wrong. You know, this is how I show my honor to her. And by meeting the core emotion needs for connection and acceptance in a limited way. Healthy autonomy, same thing. You know, as they grow old, their ability to be autonomous actually goes down. So we have to guide her. You know, uh, there was a time when she could travel alone, but not anymore. So autonomy went down. Reasonable limits, which is the third core emotion. We've got to give her limits. There were times when she was very rude and, you know, and had conflict with the helpers. And we had to come in there. I have to go in there. And, and sit her down and reason with her. And then lastly, the core emotion unit for realistic, uh, you know, expecta uh, expectation and reciprocity. Uh, we have to have a very realistic expectation of her. She wasn't as coherent as she was. So your expectation has to be very, very realistic. So with that in mind, I just, you know, kind of behaved accordingly. I changed my behavior to to kind of meet those core emotional needs and by doing so, showing her honor, okay? And, uh, but sometimes she had quirks. You know, all of our parents have quirks. You and I have quirks. And you know what I tell uh, people to do? Don't take it personally. Uh, try and, try and you know, find humor in it. And, um, you know, and my mom would say, just sometimes the most bizarre things. You know, she was from an Indian, very traditional Indian family. And she, till the day she died, she believed in arranged marriages. And I remember my son and my daughter were asking her, 
you know, what is it like, you know, does she agree with dating? She was like, no, no, you got to listen to your parents. They, you know, you must let them pick your spouse. And I remember looking at both of my kids and they were just, you know, laughing with her and she kind of laughed back, you know, and she understands that the culture has changed. But, you know, it's just, I look at that with humor. See that? And there are many times she's just not there and she's not coherent. But you know what? We still asked her opinion about things. Why? We just want to show her honors, uh, honor. You know, there's a saying, a broken clock is still right twice a day. It's true, isn't it? They may be broken, but sometimes, you know what? As you keep asking them advice, they'll, 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 you know, they'll hit it right on the mark. And listen to them. Have fun. You know, find humor in their quirks. Right? And in doing so, your relationship with them will improve. Instead of being offended every time, you know, they're not coherent. Okay? So I just want to uh, encourage you to really, really think about this. And our relationship with our parents, bottom line, need to be, need to consist of two things. Gratitude towards them for how they raised us up. And forgiveness for all their mistakes to us. And forgiveness and gratitude needs to shake hands. Okay? And they should not be at odds with one another. Um, I think my wife, you know, who's such a great example of showing honor to her parents in the USA, you know, she has moved in to this part of the world for years, for decades. Uh, now, well over three decades. But we always give her time to go back to the United States to stay with the parents for an extended period of time. And the parents love that. And it's, it's how she has continued to show honor to her family. And parents at the same time, what do we need to do? Don't exasperate them. Follow the Bible. Okay? Nurture them. And when you do so, you will meet the core emotional needs. So, when parents do their part and children do their parts, even though when the children become adults, what happens to the family unit? It becomes tremendously healthy. And then when you have healthy families, let me tell you what will happen. It will then spill over into the church. And the church then becomes healthy because families are healthy. I hope this message has been of some use to you. Thank you again to everybody who who participated in the survey. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, and uh, see you soon again.